wonderful young woman of God, walking in her destiny. God has more for us. And just want to pray that what she has to share with us, um, she'll be able to release that and that it will bless us. And Father, just thank you, Lord, for Alicia now. For uh, Thank you for the preparation that she's done for this message. And we pray that she will speak fearlessly with courage, Lord, with your anointing. And that we will have listening ears to hear what she has to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tarzan. Um, so we are continuing our series today on um, the fruit of the Spirit. And we've walked through quite a few already. I can't remember how many more there is to go. Two or three. Or am I the last one? I think we've got two more. Okay. Um, so last time when I spoke a couple of weeks ago, I was meant to talk about kindness and didn't an awful lot. Um, so we are focusing on goodness today, but there will be a dash of kindness in there too, because I promised that. Um, so just to um, be, this sounds like a negative way to start the preach, but hopefully it's not. Um, to be perfectly honest with you all, I have had a terrible week, <laughs> a really awful, horrible week. And um, my flesh could not think of anything worse than to be talking about the goodness and kindness of God in the light of the week I've had. Um, and I'm not sharing that to make you all miserable. Um, I'm sharing that because despite what my flesh may think, it's actually the perfect thing for me to be doing um, is to look at the goodness and kindness of God and so my hope is that for anyone who is sat in the same position as me, thinking the last thing I want to hear about right now is God's kindness and goodness because I hurt and life has been rubbish, then my hope is that actually this will be just what we need and that God will work through whatever he can use and do us all good. Um, this is not in my notes, but it's come to my mind. Um, I really love the, the Hebrew. So when you look at the word thanksgiving, um, we have kind of one word for thanksgiving. But when you look at the Hebrew words, there are many different words to sum up thanksgiving. And one of them actually means to tell of a person's name. So the idea is that when, you know, our idea of thanks might be when someone gives us a gift, like if Wendy had bought me this dress. <laughs> um, and I could come and say, you know, look at how great this dress is. Um, and, you know, that would be my thanks. Thank you for the dress. This dress is so great. I love it. But in the Hebrew mindset, a much better way of thanksgiving would be that Wendy would buy me this dress and then I would come to all of you and go, Wendy is incredible. <laughs> And it becomes not about the gift, but the gift giver. And, and the focus is not on the dress, but there is a relational aspect of thanksgiving that in me telling you how wonderful Wendy is, my relationship with Wendy deepens because the truth of who Wendy is gets written on my heart more and your relationship with Wendy deepens because you get to know how awesome she is. And so when we think about thanksgiving in terms of our relationship with God, this really has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. 
Um, when we think about Thanksgiving in terms of God, I could come to you and say, look at all these good things that God has done. Or in the midst of everything going on in life, we could come together and say, God is good and he is kind and he is beautiful and he is worthy. And that Thanksgiving becomes a relational thing where our relationship with God grows, but also one another's relationship with God grows as we give thanks and tell of his name to one another in spite of everything that's going on. So let's try and do that today as we talk about goodness. We are going to look a bit practically at what goodness looks like in our lives, but as I'm going to start with, it is impossible without looking at the goodness and kindness of God. Um, And so let's find strength there. Okay, my actual notes. Um, So To start with, let's kind of reread the passage that we've been focusing on in this series. Um, Scripture is always a good place to start. I am going to read 10 verses um, because I think, as I said last time, the context is just really important. So this is Galatians 5, verses 16 to 26. You can follow along on the screen. Thank you, Chris. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It gets better. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So the verse we are focusing on are the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, but the context in which it falls is really important. Um, I'm not going to redo my whole preach from last time. I'm just going to do a quick summary for for context. And when I spoke last time, I kind of zoned in on on what it meant that these attributes are actually fruit of the Spirit. And so just a a quick kind of recap. So God, in his very nature, is good. So he does not need lists like these. He has never had to have someone tell him, this stuff is bad, but if you want to live a good life, this is what it looks like. He has never had to be reminded to be kind or gentle or patient. He just is good. So using the fruit analogy that we've been given here, if someone is good from their root to their branch, then this will be a natural production. No one has to tell God to do these things. They naturally burst forth from him like fruit naturally goes on a tree because he is good. Does that make sense? So if, like I said last time, if we need this reminder, if someone needs to tell us that 
A good life looks like patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control and all of these things that we're looking at, then that doesn't mean that we're good. It means the opposite. It means we're not good. <laughs> it means that they're not a natural production of who we are. The other things, sadly, probably come more natural to us when we are living in the flesh. So if these are not a natural production of who we are, it means that somewhere between the root and the branch, probably at the root area, there is something not good because I am not naturally producing these good things. And so we kind of looked at how Scripture highlights this non-goodness but doesn't leave us without hope. And the very reason that we're looking at these, these things is because they are the fruit of the Spirit. So if I'm not naturally producing these, but God is naturally producing these things because of who he is, then it is going to take a supernatural work for these things to be seen in my life. Something has to happen within me, and it has to be not of my own strength, but of God, because God is good, and I am not. <laughs> so we kind of looked at that in, in kind of more detail, looked at how the Holy Spirit um, comes and dwells on the inside of us, the way he empowers us to live out these things and, and what that means for us. And I want to, us to keep that in our minds as we think about goodness and kindness because the, the whole reason that we need this is that we are not naturally good and kind. And I said last time, you know, you could have a tree, it's meant to be an apple tree, and you could tell it all you want, produce apples, produce apples, produce apples, but if the roots aren't right, and if it's not getting what it needs, we're never going to be enjoying apples. So we could say, be good, be kind, be good, be kind. But if there is a root issue, it's never going to happen. So let's bear in mind what the root is. And the root is Holy Spirit. It's God. It's who he is. And that's what we need. So that was a quick summary. Um, and I've only got two, two points. And then... There's like multiple points in the point. Um, but my main two points um, are that goodness and kindness are of God. I've like touched on it there, but we're going to look at that in, in more detail, specifically related to these two things. And that goodness and kindness are active. So to follow on from what I was just saying, the first one, goodness and kindness are of God. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I think of goodness, I do not feel very excited I don't think there are many people who get excited about the idea of being good. There are lots of people who get excited about the idea of being bad. <laughs> and lots of songs are written about being bad. But there's not many that are celebrating, I'm such a good person. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> because our idea of goodness is not very exciting. And why is that? It's because... When we say, you know, I'm thinking of when my parents used to live, leave me with my grandparents for the day as I was a kid, and then they would come back and they would say, have you been a good girl today? I, yes, mom. And when they were asking that question, were they asking, have you stood up for truth and justice today? Have you raised money for the poor and the vulnerable in your community no, <laughs> what they were asking is, have you refrained from killing your sister? <laughs> have, you, <laughs> have you left the house standing today? And so in our usage of the term good, what we've actually made it to be in our minds is simply 
not doing something terrible. <laughs> when we say, have you been good, or I have been good today, all that we're saying is, I haven't been really bad today. And so our idea of goodness becomes really dull and boring because it's not doing bad things. It's not really doing an awful lot at all. Like when I was my best for my grandparents, it's because I didn't do anything. <laughs> I sat and was just quiet and didn't do anything wrong. And so goodness could be kind of boring. But fortunately, our idea of goodness is, is a bit pathetic compared to what it actually is. So the word goodness that we're looking at in this passage, the Greek word is agathosune. Agathosune? Agathosune. We'll go for agathosune. Do you want to try? Agathosune. Thanks. Now I feel not, like I'm not the only one being silly. Um, and when you look at this word, um, what it means, it was really kind of annoying when I came to look up this word because it literally means like everything good. Merciful, kind, righteous, good character, moral excellence, upright in heart and nature, righteous, and this one's really interesting, intrinsically good, as in it is the nature a good nature. It's not a good act. It is being good. It is goodness from the core. And it kind of encompasses everything good, which makes it really great to talk about. Um, now, this kind of concept, this intrinsically good concept, this good at the core idea that we're talking about, though the same word is not used in the Old Testament, so it was obviously in Hebrew, the, the concept is definitely there. And in the Old Testament, it is only ever attributed to God because God alone is good. His essential nature is goodness. He cannot do anything else. And, you know, back in the day, it would have been horrendous to attribute that word to anyone else because we are not that, only God. So this concept was only ever esteemed to Yahweh, the Lord Almighty. And we even see in Mark 10, this is verses 17 to 18, Jesus kind of latching on to this Old Testament concept. It says, now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Internal life, that's a very different thing. Eternal life. And so Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one and that is God. Now, it's a bit weird for Jesus to be saying this because he is God, so he could have just taken that and it would be okay. But the point that he was trying to make is don't throw, away, don't throw around that word like it's something you can achieve in your own strength. You don't know what you're saying when you call me good teacher. There is one who is good, and that's God. And yet, it makes no sense, in Galatians 5, the, the scripture that we are looking at today, we are told that we should expect to see this type of goodness, this intrinsic goodness, this goodness at the core, this upright in posture and nature, this righteousness. We should expect to see this type of goodness exhibited in our lives. And so again, if it's only ever been said about God, and now we're being told this is what should be seen in your life, we have to ask, how on earth is that possible? And once again, the conclusion is, it's not um, in our own strength. 
But we have to ask, what has changed since the Old Testament and Galatians 5? And there is, of course, only one answer. It is the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's what made it possible for us to be forgiven. That's what made it possible for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell within us and transform us into the likeness of Christ, into the image of a God that we love, and in some ways make us like him. And so it's really important to keep in mind, and I'll explore a bit of more of why as we go through this, that, that the goodness that is being talked about here is just impossible in our own strength because it is more than kind of being obliged to buy someone a gift or something. It is this, this intrinsic goodness. And now, because of that, it really makes our idea of what goodness is seem like the boring one. And we have this whole new exciting picture of what goodness is. Because when I look at Jesus, I get pretty excited. Because when I look at what goodness looks like in his life, I look at one who spoke truth to power, who poured out his life for the needy and vulnerable, protecting for them and providing for them. He's one who turned away from the temptations of the flesh so he could fulfill what the Father asked him to do. This goodness is exciting. It's not boring. It's not wishy-washy. It's not passive. It's a nature that is excellent, upright, and completely devoted to or caught up in God that lives out that truth, challenging injustice and kind of living out goodness. It's active. Acts 10 Verse 38 says, How God anointed uh, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, if Jesus went about doing good, that meant he went about being Jesus. <laughs> he, and everything that we see him do, because he is intrinsically good, is a display of his goodness. So when we're kind of contemplating what this idea of looks like in our lives, it's not a, I'm going to sit quietly and not do anything bad. It is a call to live out a life of being so devoted to God and so letting the Holy Spirit have his work within us, which again we'll talk a bit more about, that our natural decisions, the way that we live, the way that we speak, the way that we stand up for justice and truth becomes natural to us because we are beginning to become good in the way that Jesus is good. We cannot discover goodness outside of God himself. Now, the, the tragedy of our old definition of good is that if you kind of go to, not anyone, but a lot of people outside of the church and say, are you going to heaven? They will say, Yes. And if you say, how do you know that? They'll say, because I'm a good person. And what they're saying, just like we've been conditioned to as a kid, is I'm a good person. I haven't done anything really bad. I haven't really done anything. I just haven't really done anything really bad. And so, of course, I'm going to heaven. And there are good people out there who do great things, but who do not know Jesus. Now, there's a danger in that because how, how good do you need to be to get to heaven? How many good things do you need to do to get the entry ticket? And even if we knew that 
number, would we ever be able to do it? No, we would not. We need someone who is in himself goodness to come and credit to us all of his goodness so that his righteousness can take the place of our filthy rags. And this is the heart of the gospel. Like if we can get lost in that, that is goodness. The gospel is good news. So all throughout the church, people are exhorted to goodness. There are lots of sermons out there, and again, really well-meaning and well-intended, that call people to this level of behavior, this idea of goodness, with the fundamental piece of information missing. So, you know, you hear sermons on the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus lays out some amazing things like standards to live by and I've sat in many of those sermons thinking that sounds great but there is no way (laughs) there is just no way I can live like that and I I have a distinct memory of being sat um, in a pub having a drink with some friends Um, I don't know it must have been like 16, 17 um, and talking about faith as we so often did this was with my with my high school friends I must have I must have been 18 if I was in a pub I must have been (laughs) I'm sure I was 18 Um, such a good person Um, well whatever age I was I was in a pub having a drink and we we talked about faith as we so often get onto the topic let's roll over that one and I remember say, my friend, her name's Jess, and she said to me, Christians are really horrible. And I was like, ouch. I was like, uh, what makes you say that? Or she said, I'm just never good enough to be one of them. I was like, how, what do you mean? I remember even as a teenager being so devastated And she said, well, I've been to church with my grandma a few times because she makes me go whenever I go and stay with her. And all of the people do not want me there because I'm not good enough. I'm a bad person. And I walk in and no one speaks to me. Everyone gives me the side eye. And I'm just not a good enough person to be a Christian. And the sad reality is that that will be what many people across this nation think because of our concept of goodness. See, we've got it the wrong way around. We've made it be good so that you can come when the gospel says God is good, so come as you are, and his Holy Spirit will dwell within you and transform you from the inside out. It will do what you cannot do for yourself. I was like, the whole point of being a Christian is that we are not good. We are broken and messed up and hurting. And if we make goodness this concept of go and be good so that you can come to church, go and be good so that you can approach Jesus boldly, then we have missed the heart and the center and the core of the gospel, which says, God is good, therefore I come. God is good, so therefore I come as I am and I bring my brokenness and I bring my hurt and I bring my pain and because he died and rose again, he made a way for the Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside so that my root system is changed and that slowly over the course of my life, he can do a work deep on the inside of me so that goodness does start to become my natural fruit. Not instantly, but it's possible. 
and not just a goodness that's not doing bad things, a goodness that stands and fights for what is good and right and true and godly because of who dwells on the inside. We have to have our idea of of goodness changed. Goodness is discovered in God alone, not in man by nature and only in men and women when that work is begun by grace. And what I love is that when you look at the Trinity, all you see is kindness and goodness. I've put here, kindness and goodness are defined in the character of the Father. They're displayed in the life of the Son and they're produced in the life of the believer by the Holy Spirit. They are from God and God alone. So, I've taken a lot of the time to do one point. It's a good job I only have two points. <laughs> My second one is goodness and kindness are active. Now, it's all very well me standing up here and saying, it's all God, and it really is all God. But what does that actually mean? And what does that look like in our lives day to day, practically? So I'm going to try and explore that a little bit in five minutes. <laughs> so let's look at Micah 6, verse 8. Again, this is not the same word because it's in the Old Testament, but the concept is, is very similar. So it says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. There is a lot in that verse. <laughs> because what this verse is saying is, God has shown you what is good. And it's not made into a scientific formula. It's not saying goodness and kindness looks like you have to buy someone a cup of coffee. You have to have this hard conversation with this person. It's not a scientific formula. But there are clear things that God is saying if if goodness is at work within you, you'll do these things. It will change the way you act. Act justly. There will begin to be a change in your actions. It will change the way you act. It will change what you love. Love mercy. I do not naturally love mercy. Because you know what mercy is? Mercy is what we've done today. Extending grace and forgiveness to those who we deem don't deserve it. That's mercy. I don't naturally love mercy. But if goodness is at work within my life, I start to love differently. I start to love what he loves. And it also changes how we walk and with whom we walk. You can tell if goodness is at work, I mean, goodness from God is at work in a person's life by who they surround themselves with, by how they walk through life. It should change our relationships, first and primarily with God, but then with other people. So goodness should change how we act, what we love, how we walk and with whom we do it. When you read kind of different scholars talking about this word, agathosune. The passages that they kind of pull out of Jesus's life are really surprising because you would kind of think, oh, we'll, we'll look at him when he's really nice and he's holding children or things like that. But actually, one of the most talked about passages with this word agathosune is Jesus cleansing the temple not a passive goodness at all. It is an intrinsic goodness that stands in the face of injustice and said, this isn't right, and acts accordingly. 
this is, this, when I was reading this this week, this gave me so much hope. Because if goodness and kindness are not passive, then that means they are definitely not in God too. And, you know, I told you, I've had a really horrible week. And so when I've prayed, God, I really need to see your goodness, I am not putting my hope in that situation in a God that I then believe is, is going to be good by not doing anything bad. You know what I mean? I'm putting my hope in that prayer in a God who is going to do just this, who's going to stand up in the face of injustice, who's going to draw close, who's going to extend mercy and grace, who's going to have uprightness of heart towards me and love me and comfort me and hold me. I want an active goodness and kindness and I want that because that's what I'm made to want because that's who God is. He's good and he's kind and he's active in that. We don't need to know that God's goodness is not just him. We need to know that God's goodness is not just him withholding from doing bad things. We need to know that his goodness and his kindness are active, constant and steadfast. And the same is true for us. When goodness becomes a fruit of who we are by the power of the Holy Spirit, it is an active thing in our lives. I'm going to look at... um, A really quick example of this from um, Acts. I'm going to try and do this really quickly. Okay, so Acts 11, there's a guy called Barnabas. And verses 22 to 24 say, Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So the context of this is that the disciples had been scattered because Stephen had died, they were under persecution, and they they kind of scattered, and some of them went to this place called Antioch and preached to the Gentiles. And a great number were responding, and this has reached kind of news to the crew back in Jerusalem. I'm doing a really bad job of explaining that context, but for the sake of time. And so here, Barnabas is sent to this group of people in Antioch. And it says, the reason I love this, because it sums up everything we want to look at in one sentence. He was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. So that word good is agathos. So that is the type of good that leads, you know, of the goodness. It's the root of the goodness that we are looking at. So it's it's the right type of good. (laughs) And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So the writer is not just saying he's good because he's nice. He's doing the work for us and saying he's a good man because he's filled with the Holy Spirit and full of faith. So last time we looked at how faith is how we first receive the Spirit and it's our faith which then enables him to continue the work within our lives. So there are loads of things that we could look at in the life of Barnabas that would make the writer call him a good man. But just as a practical example of how our faith, partnered with the Holy Spirit, produces this fruit of goodness, we're going to look at one area of his life and kind of walk through it really quickly. So the example that we're going to look at is that he felt empathy for outsiders. Now verse 22 tells us that of all of the apostles and elders and deacons that the church in Jerusalem could have sent, they sent Barnabas. And there's a reason for that. When you look at Acts 9, Barnabas is the only one that stands with Saul, who was a persecutor and then got radically saved, and everyone was terrified of him, but Barnabas stood with him. And in Acts 4, um, 
we, we hear that Barnabas' real name was Joseph, but the apostles called him Barnabas because it means son of encouragement. So he is the one that has been sent because he is encouraging, he's empathetic, he stands up for the underdog, he has empathy for others. I know I've tried to draw in lots of dots to get to that point, but the fact he's empathetic for others is the main thing you need to know. And now, why is that important when we look at goodness, and how does the Holy Spirit and faith lead to that being a way that he lives out his life? I think it's this, that because it says Barnabas is a good man, he's full of the Holy Spirit, and he's full of faith, when you this is the same in all of us. Faith produces these fruit in us because it keeps our hearts aligned with the gospel. Now I've put here, faith still feels the wonder of being accepted by God. When your faith is in who God says he is and what he says he has done, which is the gospel, that means that your faith is in the fact that you were once an outsider and you were accepted in. And you know what that feels like. And what the, when you put your faith on that fact, I was an outsider. I was a child of darkness. I've been brought in. I'm a child of light. I've been accepted by a good father. When you align your heart and your faith with that, the Holy Spirit comes riding in on that and produces the fruit in you. And it becomes natural because your faith is so in that fact that you couldn't do anything else to anyone else. Because when you've been accepted, and when you've been brought in, and when you've been the underdog, and suddenly you're a citizen of heaven, when the Holy Spirit works on that, the fruit of that becomes you accept the underdog. You accept the person who has been the outsider, and you bring them in. And goodness is at work in your life because of your faith in the gospel. Does that make sense? So an example in my personal life, and then I really will finish, will finish, is that, and it really links, I think God's speaking to us today, it really links with what Tarzan shared. Um, so there was one time in my personal life years ago when this visiting speaker came to my old church. She was from um, America, she didn't know me at all, and for some reason she'd stood on stage in front of 300 people and, and attacked me <laughs> down the microphone and didn't know me. And... I was horrified as a teenager. That's a, not a nice thing to happen. And um, I was like, what on earth do I do? And I was home that evening after the conference and just so many different thoughts going around in my mind. And I was crying. And I came in my flesh before God, ready to complain. God, you don't know who this woman is. How dare she? She doesn't even know me. And instead, all I could think about when I came before God was the fact that I was accepted despite what I'd said about God in the past and despite the fact that I was a mess. And all I could think about in the context of what was going on was the gospel. And it was so annoying. I was like, I want to be mad. But I couldn't be when I realized that God had stepped in and extended mercy when I didn't deserve it. And so I wanted to complain, and out of my mouth instead, like literally it was not even an active choice, was, God, would you bless her? And I started to, it was probably one of the most best prayers I've ever prayed for someone. I was like, that was wasted. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but that was nothing to do with me. 
That is the fruit of goodness because of the gospel and the Holy Spirit at work. Like literally, if, if my flesh was in action there, that would not have been the prayer that I prayed. <laughs> I was not in a good place. But my heart was aligned with the gospel and in the light of the mercy that had been extended to me, there seemed no other natural response than to extend the same mercy to that person. I wrote more, but we'll leave it there. Um, let's pray. God, I thank you that you are good and you are kind, that you're faithful, that you extend mercy. And Lord, I thank you that you love us despite the fact we are not good and we are not kind. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we love your transforming power. And Lord, I just pray that throughout this week as a congregation that you would captivate us with the gospel again. That our faith would be so on who you are and what you've done that Holy Spirit, you come in and do a work deep within us, that goodness and kindness and all that those words encompass become more natural. Lord, and in that process, would you help us to make the choice even when it's not natural? We want to be good, we want to be kind, but not just a passive goodness that is wishy-washy and doesn't do bad things, a goodness that is active in people's lives so that they would know you, their good and kind God. Would you help us? It has to be by your spirit, God. Amen.